0: Official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at WellChurchVT.com. Starting this new series called Journey, and for the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at characters, narratives themes in scripture that kind of speak to this idea of journey. And we're going to be looking how these narratives, characters, themes uh, might be able to provide us with some wisdom for the way as we journey with God, as we talk about this idea of journeying with God. Something I've noticed in scripture, and this has been shown to be true in my own life, is that God is always on the move. Has anyone else ever felt this way? or maybe in your own walk with God, Uh, this is something we see in Scripture. And as a church community, one of the larger questions we ask together is, what does it look like to follow Jesus? And I think it's important to recognize that following always involves movement. Following always involves movement. In fact, the, the earliest Christians in the book of Acts, before they were called Christians, were just called followers of the way or people of the way. And so we have kind of this in our DNA as people who are asking the question, what does it look like to follow Jesus? And so we're talking about this idea of journeying with God. Uh, Often journeying with God is something that is physical uh, we're going to see this actually this morning when we look at the life of Abraham. Abraham traveled from city to city, town to town. Uh, in fact, often he was residing in a tent in the wilderness in the middle of nowhere. And so it involves a physical journey. Um, and uh, so I looked up this word journey in Merriam-Webster and it defines journey as such. Something suggesting travel or passage from one place to another. Then when it gave an example, I found, found these examples peculiar. To journey from youth to maturity. To journey through time. So it defined it in a very literal, kind of physical, tangible way. And then when it gave examples of its definition, it gave kind of metaphorical examples to travel from youth to maturity, though some of us uh, as we grow older might feel the physical transformation of youth to maturity. I know I'm feeling that a little bit this morning. Uh, A journey through time was another example it gave. The second definition says an act or instance of traveling from one place to another, such as a three-day journey or going on a long journey. Now, Mary webster speaks to something that I think is true, is that our journey, as people who are asking this question, what does it look like to follow Jesus, is both uh, physical and forming. So our journey as we follow Christ is forming and physical. Another way you could say it is this, the journey God is inviting us into is one that changes us, and it's one that invites us to be instruments of change as well which sometimes places us on a physical journey. So another way you could put that is God loves us just the way we are, but way too much to let us stay that way. Amen. Right? Amen. Thank you. Way too much to let us stay that way. And uh, I, I, I also know this. So it's forming, right? It's forming us, changing us and who we are. This is the journey we're invited into. But it's also physical as well. I know that oftentimes many of us find ourselves in places where we are looking for clarity or purpose. How many of you have felt like that or are maybe feeling like that, looking for clarity and purpose in our lives? And so we're we're thinking about this idea of journeying with God. But I also wonder if we were to think of it in another way, to think of it in a way of what if we realized That rather than waiting for defining moments in our lives or clarity or purpose, that we're actually created by God to enter into moments and define them. And so I actually think these two things are true as we speak about journey, that God is forming us and that God is moving us and calling us out. And so um, we're called in very practical, physical ways to embody God's redemptive action in the world, physical agents of tangible change uh, through the power of the Spirit, right? And so there are real places and real people we are called to share the good news of God's love with as we journey. And so those, that's my hope and my prayer for this sermon series, is that we would realize no matter where we find ourselves personally, personally, uh, that we would realize in a deeper way that God is inviting us to be changed and transformed as we journey with him, no matter how capable of change we might view ourselves. Secondly, that we would be open to being used by God as instruments of change, no matter how unlikely of candidates we view ourselves. And so I think we'll see this in scripture over the next uh, few weeks. So, Ready to jump into it? Okay. As I mentioned earlier, we're going to be looking at the life of Abraham this morning as we seek wisdom for the way in our own journey as a church, as individuals as well. And the writer, we're going to kick it off with something the writer of Hebrews says about Abraham in the New Testament. This is in uh, chapter 11, verses 8 through 10. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God." So according to the author of Hebrews, Abraham's faith was displayed in his willingness to journey with God. It's fascinating to me that Abraham's life uh, wasn't applauded uh, for reaching a destination. He was actually uh, praised for his willingness to go with God, even when it didn't make sense. Because he was looking for, as the writer of Hebrews puts it, the city with foundations, whose architect and builder was God. And so Abraham's life is recorded in chapters 12 through 25 of the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. We're going to be reading all 13 chapters this morning. Just kidding. We're, we're just going to be taking kind of a bird's eye view of Abraham's life, a little snapshot And focusing on a few elements of Abraham's life that give us wisdom on the way as we ask, what does it mean? What does it look like to journey with God? And I have these four things here for us on the screen. Presence, movement, generosity, covenant. And so we're going to cover these four focuses or emphasis I see displayed in the life of Abraham in chapters 12 through uh, 25 of the book of Genesis. So i will kick it off with presence, Genesis 12, verse 1. The first part of verse 1, in fact. Now the Lord said to Abraham. I believe the, the first thing we learn about Abraham's invitation to journey with God is an easily missed or overlooked thing. When God calls Abraham out of his tribe, now the Lord said to Abraham, so he calls him out of his tribe, more on that later, um, to journey with God. God is doing something. God is making his presence known to Abraham. God is initiating relationship with Abraham. And so, so this, this would have been completely revolutionary. And I actually think that perhaps it still is in many ways. And so in ancient Mesopotamia, the gods were thought to be distant Uninvolved. um, And and a God who would make himself known to a human uh, to initiate desire relationship with that human. It's a completely new idea in history. But apparently, this God, the God who invites us all to be people of the way, wants to make himself known to, to commune with, to have relationship with. So, Abraham's story reminds us from the very beginning that God's invitation to journey is actually an invitation into presence and relationship. And I actually believe that this is what Jesus meant when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is inviting us, all of us, into relationship with him. So what if the primary purpose or one of the primary purposes of of asking this question, what does our own journey look like in our lives, in our relationship with God, whether it's going somewhere physically or whether it has to do with who we're being formed as people, has less to do with the destination and more to do with the relationship and the presence that we are invited into. And so this was the key in the beginning of Abraham's relationship and in the beginning of Abraham's journey with God was an invitation into presence, an invitation into relationship. And so this is something we take with us in our own journeys with God. And so um, Abraham's story as well, you find that this relationship actually became the defining, this presence, the presence of God became the defining kind of characteristic of his journey as well because he kind of finds himself all over the place physically on the map. If you want to see a map, you can Google it, just Abraham's journey or map, Abraham's map. You can kind of see all the different places he went, but he was actually became defined by this presence. Uh, when I moved to Vermont about, almost 10 years ago, or, about, or 10 years ago, I was graduating Bible college, and I came from a church background that was very charismatic, very Pentecostal, and had an emphasis on the presence of God. I, thought it, I actually think it was a very beautiful emphasis of the kind of church background. I became part of a, a church community that focused on, well, what does it mean to experience the presence of God? But my understanding of experiencing the presence of God was also pretty limited. It was kind of limited to uh, a feeling or an experience during a Sunday morning service. And so you would rank whether or not God showed up according to how many hands were lifted in the air, right? Or how many hallelujahs the preacher got during his sermon, or whether or not folks were ec- exercising spiritual gifts during the service, or how many people were responding to the gospel message and committing their lives to following Jesus, or how many were committing themselves to the altar call at the end of the service. Now, all of those things are good and beautiful, but when I moved to Vermont, I had an experience where I wasn't feeling the presence of God or seeing the presence of God in the way that I had expected, in the way that I had been formed. And so I had this physical journey that move that where I moved to, but what I learned in that process was I actually learned that the the presence of the presence of God was a lot bigger than I had initially thought. And so uh I began to recognize the spirit at work in all sorts of different places in all sorts of other people that I hadn't seen before because I was only looking for the presence in one particular way. And so sometimes when we we're called out on the journey, we're actually called to the type of people who look for the presence. And sometimes that means stretching our faiths and experiencing God in all sorts of new and different ways than perhaps we had expected. Verse 7 of Genesis chapter 12. This is after another time the Lord appears to Abraham. And he says again something that he said to him earlier, to your descendants, I will give you this land. And so he, he being Abraham, built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now, I bring this up as we talk about this idea of presence because we actually need to remind ourselves when God reveals Himself to us. Abraham built altars. If you read 12 through 25, you'll see that he built altars. In moments where he was made aware of God's presence or he heard God's voice. These were places he could remember. Uh, God was revealed to me here. Um, And so these were kind of just physical monuments uh, that God spoke this promise to me here. And so Abraham, we see throughout his journey, he's actually returned to these places. He returned to these places to remember, to remind himself of God's promises. And we can do some altar building practices in our own lives as well. Um, I actually think not, not to be like religious or ritualistic, but I actually think that there's wisdom to having rhythms, habits uh, that remind us that God is with us and desires relationship with us as we journey. You might have to come up with how you do that yourself. These are just some ideas, but uh, journaling, is a great way to do this. Painting. Uh, You don't have to be a painter to paint. Uh, Songwriting. Uh, Taking notes on your cell phone. Though I I actually prefer something kind of physical and tactile. So let's move to the second aspect uh, that that can give us some wisdom for the way as we journey with God. Movement. Uh, Going back to 12 verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land I will show you. So go forth from your country. Leave your tribe, Abraham. Leave your father's house to a land that I will show you. Following God requires movement. Now, this isn't because God wants us to up our Instagram follower game, right? Like hashtag wanderlust with some other hashtags. Travel, hashtag, go in really sweet places. Um, but no, following God requires movement. Um, and I actually think that this is because God is always doing something new and God is always up to something bigger than any of us anticipated. It requires movement, progress, growth. And so Abraham is invited out of his context, with his own tribe, uh, where he had structure and stability, and he's called out. Uh, one of the core values of our church when we got started about, uh, about 10 years ago was that structure must always submit to spirit. And this, and this is because we recognize this, that the spirit is always leading us out of and Into, into. Sometimes we don't realize it at the time, but I actually believe that this is a core aspect of our journey. As we ask, what does it look like to journey with God? What does it look like to follow Jesus? And so we ask these questions: Uh, Where is God leading us? What's God up to? What is God calling us into? Which sometimes means we have to ask the question as well: What is God calling us out of? And so, this process requires movement. Again, uh, in the ancient world that Abraham was a part of, this would have been a completely revolutionary idea. The gods were thought of as regional, and the world was still very much organized according to your tribe, your people. This was how you survived. Sticking with your tribe, your gods was thought to be the way that you survived, but this god calls Abraham out of. But God doesn't call us out of and into just for no reason, just so we can find a new place to get a sweet Instagram picture, right? This God calls us to journey with him because this God is doing something much bigger, perhaps, than the tribe we were born into. This God's always on the move and he's calling us out into because the scope, extent of God's love that God wants to reveal is larger than any of us would have expected. And so uh, we find from the very beginning here in Genesis 12 that those who are called to journey with God are called to be God's ambassadors of love, generosity, benevolence to all sorts of people outside of the normal structures, systems, we find ourselves in the midst of. Now, some of you are like, yeah, but then Abraham's kind of formed a new tribe, Israel, right? And we actually see the fulfillment of this tribe uh, in the New Testament through the church, through the people of God who are... Following in in Abraham's footsteps in faith and obedience, the author of Galatians, Paul, says it this way in chapter three, verses six through nine. He says this even so Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham, the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? All sorts of people who weren't a part of that tribe, right? By faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, the nations will be blessed in you. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. And so we, are inher- in, we inherit the promises of Abraham through faith. Uh, I think there's something beautiful. And so this tribe then that we are a part of this church community community of faith people of the way people who are on a journey together is not established according to our typical qualifications right religious upbringing ethnicity nationality geographical location etc this tribe is established through faith and all nations are invited into the blessings of this tribe which brings me to the next element generosity Uh, verses two through three in Genesis 12. And I'll make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. God promises to bless Abraham here. We see that, but the promise is presented side by side with a commission that this blessing will result in the blessings of others. Not just a few select people, but all families of the earth. And so Abraham's journey with God involves blessing, good news. But it's never, for, it's, it's never on its own. It's never for the purpose of self-indulgence or self-importance or exclusivity. God's blessing is always generative it always produces generosity. So as we journey with God, we're invited into this blessing. But that blessing is always generative. It always produces blessing. This is why God's blessing often comes in ways we don't expect. Because Abraham's promised this blessing. He's promised that God would bless him. And how does he promise that he'd bless him? He promises Abraham that he'd bless him specifically By making him a great nation. And he promises him. That he would bless him specifically. That he would make him a great nation. Specifically by promising him. That he would have a son. But when we read the narrative. Of Abraham's life. We find that yes. Eventually. This promising. This promise is fulfilled in Abraham's life. But it doesn't come when. How Or at the time, Abraham expected it. There's all sorts of suffering and pain involved. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so there's all sorts of pain and suffering involved. Abraham gets glimpses of this blessing here, there. But in many ways, he never gets to experience the blessing of God in the way that he expected or in the timeline that he expected. And our lives are like that as we journey with God. Can I get an amen? <laughs> That's a good thing. Now, pain, suffering, no, like not good. And I, I wouldn't for one moment wish any pain and suffering on anyone in this room, but we experience it. But the good news about this as we journey with God is that we're actually, through the journey, through that process, we have an opportunity to uh, be generous extensions of God's benevolence, love, to all sorts of people whom we couldn't have had we not walked that journey with God. The last element I'd like to emphasize this morning in Abraham's life as we look at what does it mean to journey with God and actually think that Abraham's a great starting point uh, as we begin this series on journey because there is a beautiful sustaining element to Abraham's journey uh, that I actually think is the the foundation of everything else we talked about this morning when we talked about God's presence and being invited into relationship, movement, being called out of and equipped by the Spirit to be extensions of God's, generous extension of God's blessing to others. Um, And it's this idea of covenant. Now, uh, just a brief explanation of covenant. If I were to enter into an agreement, say, Abby, I'm going to buy Abby's, you have a A Volvo. What kind of car do you have? A Volvo, right? And I, Abby, put her Volvo on Craigslist for sale, and we come to an agreement on the terms of sale. And I want to take a, I want to take her car for a ride before paying for the car because I I want, I want to check it out. But I just leave with the car. I don't come back. Abby. Is going And hypothetically, in this situation, Abby doesn't know me either, right? I'm just some person who saw the ad on Craigslist. And uh, Abby is going to do what? Call the police. Call the police. Right. She's going to call the police. <laughs> uh, and they're going to pull me over and ask me why I took her car. And say, like, well, you agreed to buy this, to buy this car for these terms. And they're going to put me in cuffs, put me in jail, uh, Etc. So, covenant uh, in the ancient in ancient Mesopotamia, there wasn't all the structures we have in place for legal contracts, documents, uh, uh, police uh, policing as we know it. Um, there was really your word. Your word meant a lot. Your word was your bond, right? And so, uh, when there was a serious transaction that needed to take place or an agreement, uh, there would be a ritual called, uh, it was like a covenant ritual. You'd take something of value, put it on the line, and we see this uh, 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 Abraham, uh, and so two parties would kind of enter in together into a covenant. We actually see in Genesis uh, 15 that God and Abraham are the two parties, and they're entering into a covenant together. They do something that was very common. They, uh, Abraham is told, uh, bring a dove, you know, some other animals, cut them in half, and you, you would split the animals in half. It's, it's gory, I know. Y'all stay with me for a second. So uh, you'd split them in half, and the way that you made a covenant with another party in like kind of a serious moment like this is you would walk through the split halves of the animals to say, Well, if I don't uphold my side of the bargain, may I be like these animals? And so you're entering into kind of like a serious relationship or a serious agreement, right? You're like, okay. So uh, it's not just your word, but it's like a covenant word now. And so it'd be, say, this covenant is sealed with blood. And so the different parties would come and they'd contribute to this. And, And in Genesis 15, Abraham and God are these two parties, and they're told to enter into a covenant with each other. Abraham is told by God to take these animals, split them in half. Sun goes down, but something peculiar happens. So all this would have been very familiar. This would have been like, yeah, like that's what that's you know like covenant. Yeah, of course we get this. Original audience who is reading the story would have understood. Then uh, we see in Genesis 15, something peculiar happens in the execution of this covenant uh, involving a smoking fire pot, which I love. Um, let's, let's read that for a second. Uh, Genesis 15. This is after the scene has been set. The sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. And so we see in Genesis 15, one, it's peculiar because there's a smoking fire pot with torches traveling through the pieces, right? Peculiar. But the peculiar thing that I want to point out is that it's God alone who travels between The pieces as he enters into covenant with Abraham. It's God alone. What is God doing? God promises and he's promising to keep his side of the bargain, his promises to Abraham. But God also does something else by doing this alone, he's taking on the responsibility of Abraham's side of the bargain as well. God's faithful covenant is the foundation for the journey. Is the foundation for the journey. And this is true for us as well. In Abraham's life, his journey wasn't dictated by his own faithfulness. His own doing it all right. In fact, if you read twenty-three through twenty-five of Genesis, you actually find out that Abraham did it wrong most of the time. We kind of prop him up, and it's like we read uh, Hebrews eleven verses eight through ten, and we deify Abraham. You're like Abraham was the man. He had faith. He trusted God. Abraham did all sorts of terrible things. You should read about them. Um, but his status in his journey. The presence of God in his life, the promise that he was, as he was called out, that he would be blessed and would bless others, resided actually in the faithfulness of God. Had nothing to do with him. God knows where we aren't able to perfectly hold our side of the bargain as well, and He still invites us to journey with Him. And this is why New Testament, as we saw in Galatians three, we're extended. Uh, the promises we see that the promises of Abraham are extended to the faith community because God fulfills His side of the bargain and Abraham's side of the bargain in the person of Jesus, Amen. and so we're we're recipients and ambassadors of this benevolence. And so, as we're invited to journey with God, may we remember that His presence is with us, that there is always movement involved, and that God's blessing always generates generosity, and that God's faithfulness is the foundation in all our going, no matter where we might find ourselves. Um, It's not how hard we try or even how faithful we are, but it's the faithfulness of God that sustains us on the journey. Let's pray. God, we thank you that your presence is here with us and that Uh, no matter where we find ourselves today, that you have called us to be changed and transformed by you, and that you have also called us out to be ambassadors of your goodness, of your good news, of your gospel to the world through your Holy Spirit. And so today I ask that you would reveal your presence to us in a new way, and we would recognize that you are calling us out of and calling us into. Help us to recognize um, uh, that you are calling us out because you uh, want to extend your love, your goodness, your grace to all sorts of people, um, perhaps even people we don't expect you to do that in their lives with God. And we thank you that uh, through, it's your faithfulness that sustains us in our journey as we go. It's not our own. And so we submit our lives to you in all our weakness and all our brokenness um, and just ask that you, you would be the force of change and using us for change uh, as we go, as we ask, what does it look like to follow you, to journey with you? In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community.